Good morning. Once again, everybody, good morning. How are you all? Let's see, it looks like, I think Bonfire won. So Bonfire people, congratulations. Bonfires sound awesome this fall. Um, I don't know why Pastor Stephanie felt the need to bring winter up already. We're just, I think it's technically summer on the calendar right now. So I know you're a futurist, but let's just hang in there with fall for a little while. Enjoy some bonfires. Welcome one more time to Mill City Church at Quincy Hall or online. We're so glad to have you all here today uh, and to be together, isn't it? It feels good to be together in a little different way than we have been able to for those of us we're able to be here physically, and we're so grateful for all of you online joining us. We're starting a new conversation today called, uh, What Difference Does Jesus Make? And it's a really, really important question, I think, at this moment. We're hoping over the next few weeks, in the midst of all the other things that are going on in life, uh, personally and, and collectively, what if, how do we focus on where Jesus is and the difference Jesus is still making? Uh, and so we wanted this fall to have a conversation as we progress through the New Testament to really focus in on uh, this very important question. And maybe you find it very easy to answer the question, what difference does Jesus make? And you can tell stories like, if it weren't for Jesus, I don't even know where I'd be right now. Or when you think back on some hard times that you've been through, you you know Jesus made the difference. Or you you think about Jesus' daily presence. Uh, and it makes a huge difference in your life. But for others of you, that might it might be a hard question. Like, I don't know. I don't really know the difference Jesus makes on a regular basis. And if that's you, you're not alone. So we're hoping by the end of this conversation, all of us will have a little more capacity to really articulate and notice the ways that our faith in Christ and Jesus' presence is making a difference every single day. Uh, many of you know that for my personal family, the Binder family, We've gone through some really hard times this summer with our son, Cole, who's been struggling with a bacterial infection in his leg that's been really difficult to get out. Uh, and I can tell you just personally, kind of vulnerably as we start today, that uh, without Jesus, I don't know how we would have made it through the last couple months. Uh, not only Jesus' presence daily as you pray and reach out to God for help, but also Jesus working through all of you in supporting us in that and texting us and praying for us and providing meals. And um, I can remember a, a visit that we had at the hospital and I was driving home by myself and I felt like God was saying to me or reminding me of the story in scripture where Jesus disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a young boy who's struggling with um, affliction and the disciples can't do it, and Jesus shows up, and they tell the, the dad's upset. The dad's like, why can't they do it? Why can't they get this thing out of my son? And, and Jesus, in a sort of exasperated tone, says, well, this, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I was driving home, and had been through many hospital visits, many doctor's visits, many appointments, and I felt like God was saying, you need a renewed commitment to prayer and fasting to get this infection out of your son's leg. And I was honestly even scared to believe that that would work at that point. We had, we had been praying. We had been fasting. But I texted people I knew. I texted our church family. I texted friends I have all over the country. And I said, this is what I think God's telling me. If you can, would you join me? And the difference that Jesus made in those moments over the next week or so were people telling me, 
I didn't eat from sundown to sundown, and I prayed for Cole all day. I remembered your son as I woke up in the morning. I prayed for, for God to heal Cole. And it, I, honestly, I don't know how people get through some of this stuff without that. So for me right now, this question, the difference Jesus makes is extremely tangible. And maybe you can think back on some moments in your life where you went through something hard or you've experienced suffering. And you could tell your own stories of the way that Jesus has made a significant difference. So let's, let's explore that this next few weeks and, and hopefully be able to articulate even better for the people around us in the world who don't know Jesus. This is the difference that Jesus can make in your life. Will you pray with me before we look at the scriptures? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we love you. We know that we don't need any particular building to worship you. We can worship you anywhere. We can worship you online. We can worship you in person. We can worship you in some building they thought they were going to host weddings in, and now we're here worshiping you. We love you. We thank you for being present with us in the hardest of our times and in the greatest parts of our lives and everything in between. And we declare our faith in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take a look at the book uh, that shouldn't even probably be called a book called Philemon because it's so short. You could probably read the book of Philemon 10 times in the amount of time I'm going to talk to you this morning. It's a very small letter, but a very powerful letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote. And I want to just give you a little bit of background on it. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote lots of letters that became books in our New Testament, uh, wrote this letter to a guy named Philemon. And Philemon was a wealthy Roman guy who uh, had become a Christian through a new church that Paul had helped to plant near him. And Philemon's life was so changed because of his faith in Jesus Christ that he began hosting a small kind of house church, uh, neighborhood group, if you will, in, in his home, and invited other people who, to come to know Jesus and to grow in their faith in Christ. And like many of the wealthy Roman citizens of the time, he, um, he had slaves. He was a slave owner. And slaves in that time were very, very common, especially for wealthy people. And it was a little bit different from the slavery you might think of when you think on the history of America. But nevertheless, it was, it was a very hard thing to be a slave in Roman times. So one of Philemon's slaves was called Onesimus. Onesimus did something that got him in trouble with Philemon. It's not exactly clear what it is that he did, but he did something, and he ended up running away, trying, trying to get away. Maybe he just wanted to not be a slave anymore, but he, he ran away. And it, when he ran away, he ended up meeting the Apostle Paul in a different town. And he became a Christian through his relationship with Paul. And he helped Paul and his companions to sort of share the gospel of Jesus Christ in wherever they were going. After a while, Onesimus shares this story. And as Onesimus shares his story of running away from Philemon, Paul recognizes that he knows Philemon. He has a relationship with him. He understands his story. And so when the letter begins, he says, Dear friend, Philemon, who's a co-worker in Jesus Christ, uh, I write this letter to you. So Paul uh, knows Philemon, considers him a friend, writes him this letter, and he asks Philemon to forgive Onesimus and to welcome him back into his home. Paul tells Philemon, that if Onesimus has done anything wrong, if he owes Philemon anything, that he should charge it to Paul, and Paul will pay him back. 
Just writing to Philemon and asking him to forgive Onesimus was a huge deal in and of itself. To forgive a slave for running away was a huge ask at this time. But that's not the only thing that Paul asked of Philemon. He also asked him to set, to, um, to set Onesimus free from being a slave. So not only to forgive him for running away, but to change his social status and to start treating him as a brother in Christ rather than a slave. Paul asks Philemon to change the way he sees his relationship with Onesimus and to see him now as a brother and co-follower of Jesus Christ. So here in the, in the letter, let me read to you how Paul asks this of Onesimus. Of Philemon, excuse me. Here's what it says. Therefore, although in Christ, this is Paul talking to Philemon, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would like to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Paul always manages to get that little jab in there. Do you notice that when he's writing? He writes this letter to Philemon to ask him, to dramatically change the way he sees and treats Onesimus because that's what Jesus wants him to do. We want to take a little bit closer look at this letter and, and carefully outline the difference that Jesus makes in the way that Paul is asking Philemon to treat this man Onesimus. Paul is using a gospel pattern. A few times over the summer I, in sermons, I was trying to help us understand this gospel pattern. Here's what I mean by that. There's this pattern that Paul uses that starts with self-sacrifice. He asks people to give something up on behalf of someone else. And as a result of that self-sacrifice, there's some kind of forgiveness that results in broken relationships being restored. And from that, there's now a new way of living together, a kingdom way of living, a Jesus-centered way of living where People experience each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ rather than slaves and slave owners. And so this gospel pattern comes directly from 
the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is what Jesus does for us. Jesus gives himself up for us so that we can experience forgiveness, have our relationship healed with God and each other, and step into a new way of living kingdom life that we wouldn't be able to experience otherwise. And we're constantly being invited into this pattern. It's, it's not a one-time thing that you intellectually agree with. It's a lifestyle of giving yourself up for the sake of others, having relationships restored, and experiencing kingdom living. I think this is the only letter that Paul wrote where he doesn't explicitly name the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I think the reason for that is because the steps he's giving Philemon are what it looks like to live out the death and resurrection of Jesus in daily life. Welcoming Onesimus back and treating him as a brother rather than as a slave is a clear example of the difference Jesus makes in relationships in everyday life. So here's also a visual, just one more time, to try to make this as clear as I can, of the difference between the normal response that would have been expected from Philemon and the gospel Jesus-centered response that Paul invites him into. The normal response would have been that he would he would receive Onesimus back as a slave, that he would not forgive him, that he would punish him for running away, and that he would again make him a slave and probably give him a worse job than the one he had before. And instead of that normal, everybody would have accepted that as a normal pattern, Paul writes this radical short letter to Philemon and says, because you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Instead of just receiving a slave back, I want you to welcome him as if you were welcoming me. I want you to forgive whatever wrong has been done and charge it to me. I want you to, instead of putting him back in the role of slave, treat him as a brother. Do you see how radical that is? And Paul is couching all of this in the, the faith of Jesus Christ and this gospel pattern that Jesus taught Paul. Paul's saying, charge it to me because that's what Jesus did for him, right? Do you see here the difference that Jesus makes in this story? Paul is calling for social change in the way that Philemon and Onesimus relate to each other based on a gospel pattern demonstrated by Jesus Christ. Instead of a wealthy slave owner acting like a wealthy slave owner, he asks him to act like a servant and follower of Jesus who treats people with grace and mercy and treats people as equals and not slaves. Paul wants Philemon not only to forgive him, but to dramatically change his social status and the way that he's treated. And the only way that's possible, in Paul's view, is because Jesus has already taught us how to do this and helps us by the power of the Holy Spirit actually take these steps. So as I thought about this for our, our moment that we're in right now, I want to offer just a couple thoughts. What does it look like for us to articulate the difference Jesus makes today? What does it look like for us to live out the death and resurrection of Jesus in the challenges that we're facing as a society today? And just real briefly, as we continue to struggle with questions about how to address a, the deep-seated racism in our country, this story can help us think about a gospel pattern, a gospel response to the challenges we're facing. Not, not a right-wing response, not a left-wing response, but a gospel response. 
For me, let me just tell you about how I think about it for me personally. As a wealthy, educated, white male in America, I think Paul's challenging me to see myself as Philemon in this story. Instead of claiming the rights given to me by the laws of this country and the privileges that I have based on what I look like and the opportunities that I've had in my life, how I need to ask, how can I use those rights and privileges to make sure that people who don't look like me are treated as equals? Sisters and brothers in Christ. What rights or privileges might Jesus be asking me to give up or to leverage so that other people can be lifted up? These are hard questions for us, right? But this isn't just some story in a letter from thousands of years ago. This is the same issue that we're dealing with in the moment. And I want to encourage us as Mill City Church to not get caught up in these predetermined boxes of how we're supposed to respond to these things, but instead turn to the scriptures and see that Paul knew that the gospel made social changes in his day. But they were always based on the Jesus pattern of life, right? Not some ideology or another one. They were always based on all of us remembering who we are in Christ, being willing to give ourselves up for the sake of others, experiencing forgiveness and reconciliation and healed relationships, and loving living in the kingdom of God where people are treated as equals. Amen? As I think back, this is my final story, um, and a little bit of time I have left. I'm putting Cole to bed in the hospital. I don't know how many nights we were there. We're, we're going to sleep. As a parent, I had become pretty single focused on just how do I heal, help heal my kid. And uh, there's this moment, I don't think I'm going to get through this without crying. There's this moment where we're, we're praying at his hospital bed and Cole says to me, Dad, we have to pray for the other kids on this floor. And every once in a while, you know, you get this glimpse of like how the Holy Spirit, how Jesus has already taken up residence in a 10-year-old. So that even though they've been battling with this thing and, and no one would blame him for being completely focused on his leg being healed, he's lying in the bed thinking, I'm not the only one here who needs healing. That's not normal human behavior, right? That is the difference that Jesus makes in our lives that Jesus calls us to be for the people around us, even in our toughest moments. We are all broken vessels in need of healing. Salvation in Jesus Christ is not just for you as an individual or for me as an individual. It is for all of us collectively. And there's this incredible power that comes from this gospel pattern that Jesus has modeled for us to say, you can be forgiven, you can be healed, relationships can be restored, and you are invited to live in the kingdom of God with relationships that treat people as equals and benefit from the gifts that God's given all of us. That's the world we're working towards. And it's centered on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for never giving up on us.
that even in the midst of uh, all the things that we're facing right now, you are showing us a way forward. You know the brokenness that lives inside of each one of us. And instead of us hiding from it or pretending it's not there, you invite us to give it to you. To offer our broken selves to you and receive the grace and love and mercy that you offer to us through your death and resurrection. And from there, Jesus, you heal us and you invite us to, to invite others into your kingdom. A place that looks very different from the broken world that we're in. A place where sickness and death and sin, oppression and racism and poverty and all the issues that afflict us, God, are gone. And all the wrong things are made right. And you, Jesus, are our king seated on the throne. You are our light and our salvation. You are our hope. Give us each courage to see this week the difference that you make in our lives. Give us eyes to see if we've not been paying attention. Give us eyes to see the ways you're present. Help us to live out this gospel pattern in the way that you've modeled for us as we love your community in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.